take a few minutes. I was instructed that I have some time. Ah, so I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 19. I don't know if we'll get it all. I don't know if we'll finish. I don't know if we'll complete it. I don't know how far I'm going to get. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Hallelujah. Father, put your anointing on your word. God, teach us, instruct us, and lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And behold, one came and said unto him, talking to Jesus, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which? And Jesus said, you shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. So thou shalt not bear fault witnesses. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I? And Jesus said to him, If you will be perfect, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you shall have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say to you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus said, Listen, Here's this rich guy, and boy, it is going to be super hard for a rich people to ever make it into heaven. Now, most of us would say, those, that, I agree with those poor, those rich people are the problem. What's always been interesting is Jesus himself, when speaking of the disciples, remember what Jesus said? He said, you know, he was talking to his disciples and said, you know, I didn't pick the most prominent. He said, you know I picked the lower part people of society as my disciples. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, you know that I didn't pick the top. I picked the low. But they were fishermen. They were people who, so it is surprising to me that those people who were not rich were shocked by what Jesus just said. When their response to Jesus was not, oh, yeah, that's right, Jesus, those people. Their response was, really? How can anybody be saved? Really? Why? Why would they have such a response? Why would they not have responded to God more like we see where, well, well, of course the rich people came in, but we can make it. The normal people can get in. Why did they respond to God? Because their idea of rich was so much different than what we think. We think of people who have money. All we think about. Here are disciples who had what real poor meant. They had jobs. There were people with no jobs, no working, no nothing. They were poor. They didn't see themselves as poor. They didn't see themselves as that. They didn't look upon where they were in their life and say, we, 
They looked at their life and they saw what God had done in their life. They saw their lives and they did not consider themselves poor. They considered themselves rich. And so when Jesus said the rich can't come in, they're like, "Uh uh-oh. We have jobs. (laughs) We are not. How can anybody make it in? How could anybody make it in? The rich. See, richness is not just measured in money. And somebody say amen. I started my message off this week telling you about the richness of getting to share some moments with my grandkids. There's no amount of money. This morning, before many of you came in, and I have a witness, one of my grandkids came running up to me, grabbed a hold of me, and I knelt down, and he wrapped his old arms around my neck, laid his head on me, and just squoze onto me for, 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 for probably a minute, just squeezing me. Let me tell you something. I rose up the richest man in this county. I rose up wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. But Jesus was trying to teach us something, and it is not just about money. He was not saying that you, if you have a lot of money, it's going to be hard for you to enter into the kingdom of God. He wasn't saying that. He wasn't referring to only those who had a lot of money. He was referring to those whose lives were entangled so much with what's going on around them that they would be unwilling to shed that for the case of God. See, the camel through the eye of the needle, let me explain it. There was the main gate going in, but there was a gate that went in to the city, and it was a little tiny gate, and they called it the eye of the needle. And the reason they called it that is because if you had a camel, the only way to get your camel through the eye of the needle into the city is you had to take everything off your camel. You had to strip your camel down. You couldn't pack all that stuff. It wouldn't fit. And they would squanch the camels down and get the camels down and they would get down low and squeeze through the gate. It wasn't that they couldn't make it into the city. A camel could get through that gate. But in order to get through that gate, he would have to humble himself, release all the other junk that was on his life, surrender all of that stuff off of his life. He would have to surrender all of that to enter in. Jesus wasn't telling us If you've got money, you're doomed. He was telling us that there's an attitude. There's an attitude that says, I'm going to keep, I'm going to hang on to what I've got. And when he was, some things that are interesting, the young man came to Jesus. And what did he say to Jesus? He said, what good thing can I do? And Jesus automatically knew we have a huge problem here. We automatically have a big problem. What good thing can I do? He's like, can I do something? What can I do, God, to get my way to heaven? Give me something I can do. Give me something I can do. You know what he would have loved for Jesus to say? He would have loved for Jesus to say something like, tell you what, if you'll send me $500, I'm going to give you this book. And I'm not talking about, I'm, I'm talking about, he would have loved for Jesus to give him a task that he could have grabbed onto and done. Because he'd have done it. If Jesus would have said to him, here, if you'll do this, you're in. 
That's what he was looking for. And Jesus said, here's the problem. My kingdom doesn't come from what you can do or what you get, how much you've got or what you can do. It doesn't come that way. It comes from a place of surrender to him. It comes from a place of surrender. All right, turn to me. Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write these things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are not cold nor hot, and I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and not cold or hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, And do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness do not appear and anoint your eyes with eyesel that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open my door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. He said, I I am telling you that you think things are good and that you don't need anything. I'm not looking at any of you. You think that you've got it made. And what you don't know is that you are wretched and poor and, and have nothing. In reality. Now we know because without Christ there is nothing. Nothing else matters. I have sat with my mother as she was dying and saying this thing. There's nothing else matters. I sat with my dad as he thought that he was, it was over for him. And he was in the last few days. And as he thought he was last few days. And let me tell you something. The words from these people are there is only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters. Your relationship with Christ is the only thing that matter. And I've heard this message. And, and, and this is what the message is that God, I believe, is crying out. It's the only thing that matters. But what happens is once we become comfortable, once things become in a, what seems to be easy, it is harder to cry out to God. It's harder to see ourselves <clears throat> as wretched and poor and miserable in comfort. It's harder to see what God sees. It's harder to understand how God sees the affairs of man. It's harder for us. And through, the Bible tells us in, 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 in that through the children of Israel, you can watch the stories, right? They'll, they'll, they'll be resting from war. God, they'll have great victory. There will be peace. There was peace. And, and, the, and the Israelites would be doing great. And you know what happened? Every single time peace and safety happened to the nation of Israel, every single time things got easy, you know what happened? They forgot about God. And God would have to raise up an enemy. He would have to bring some kind of calamity. God would have to do something. He would bring something up. They would get in trouble, and they'd get in trouble. And what happens when you get in trouble? Right? Foxhole prayers, right? God, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you. And he'd get out there and go, I don't even think God was involved. 
I'm out and I don't think it mattered. It mattered. Foxhole prayers. One of the worst things, one of the hardest things. And Jesus said, it is so hard for those who are rich to enter because they have a harder time. And I'm talking about money. Please, I hope you got that. Because if you think it's just about money, you'll always find somebody that has more than you. Right? I mean, it's not about money. It's not about how much things you have that brings that attitude. Because let me tell you something. You can also always find some who have way less than you. And I am rich. I am rich. Would you write me money? No, I'm broke, but I'm rich. <laughs> All right? It isn't about that, but I am rich of things. And that, the richness in our lives sometimes makes it very difficult for us to be willing to recognize the surrendering of our heart, the surrendering of our life, the surrendering of all that we are to the King, the Creator, and saying to Him, here I am. Here I am. All that is in me, all that I have, all that is within me, I surrender to you. And that's what Jesus was asking from this guy. Now, if you can imagine with you will, if you, can you imagine having Jesus say to you, put down everything you have, come and follow me, and I'll make you perfect? The word literally means translate mature, so don't freak out about that. Come and follow me. I would create my, I, I prayed in my heart. I, I would hope that the answer in my heart would be okay. I would pray that that would be my answer. Well, do you know that same Jesus is asking the same thing from you right now? Will you surrender all of it? I'm not, I'm not asking you to give me your money. I'm not asking you to go sell everything you have. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you, would you surrender your entire heart for him would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to take that place? Here I am. Some of us, we get into struggles. It's easier. It's easier when we're, in the, when, when we're fighting the battles to be willing to do that. Buy of me. Don't be lukewarm. Turn the switch into our hearts. God, I want to follow you with all the passion of my life, with all of my heart. I want to follow you. I want to seek for you. I want to look for you. I want to find you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this stuff. I, I got a lot I wanted to share here. We're not going to get to it all. That's okay. It's okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore... By the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. This guy came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what good thing can I do? And Jesus said, it has, that's not how it's going to work. You're not going to be able to just give something. You're not going to be able to do one thing. Romans, it says that you become a living sacrifice. That means that my heart is his at work. My heart is his at home. My heart is his wherever I'm at. That means that my life is trying every day, every moment, everything I do to be surrendered to the one, the really one, the one that only really matters. My Jesus, my Savior, and my God, the one that really only matters. Surrender my heart every day, all day, every time to him, the only one that matters. Total, complete Surrender. Matthew chapter 13. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. I love this scripture. This has been, this is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorites. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man has found, he hides. And for the joy of thereof, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man, like a treasure. It's hid in a field. Which a man, when he found it, goes down. He finds a field. He digs up. He founds a treasure. I don't care what, I don't know what you want to put to that, what number you want to put to it, but he finds, you know, billions, millions, whatever it is, he finds a treasure. And he finds this great treasure, but he doesn't have enough cash in his pocket to buy the field, which gains him the treasure. He can't get it. He can't get it. There's no way he'll ever get it. So he goes out and he sells everything. So you see these shoes? Them nice shoes. You want them shoes. You want, look at this goat. That's a good goat. I don't know what he sold. I don't know what he had. There's a good, you know, look at this cart. Sells stuff and he gets it all ready and he gets rid of all of this stuff and he goes down and he buys that field and when he buys that field, with it comes the treasure that is in there. Now listen, once again, we're not talking about money. You know, what Christ has done for you, what Christ has done for you is a complete work. But the idea that God is not asking something from you, the idea that God is not asking something from you doesn't really fit. God has given all that. You remember the scripture? Stand before me before men and I'll stand before you before the Father. If you don't stand before me for men, I will not stand before you before the Father. The idea that God is not asking from you something. Yet let me say this. Let me go a little deeper that God is not requiring something from you. That is not really sound. God is asking something from us. He's asking for your whole heart. Jeremiah, you will search for me and you will find me when you will search for me with your whole heart. You will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Why would we? Why would we keep the goat and let somebody else buy the field? Why? That's a good goat. I like that goat. That's my favorite goat. Why would I sell my favorite goat? You know how many times I've heard somebody, I've heard people in this life, yes, I love God, I just want to hang on to this. I just want, I just want this thing. I, I can't let go of this. or I can't, whatever it is. I, I, God's going to ask me to give up something. Yes. You're not amening me right now. Yes. <laughs> God is going to require you to give up some things and some things that you may love. He is going to require you and ask you to surrender parts of your heart that you might not want to surrender. Poor you. You poor baby. He's trying to give you the treasure in the field. 
right? He's trying to do something much larger and bigger in your life that will never end. He's trying to do something that is greater than the creation of the world itself. He's trying to do something so much greater in your life. And when Jesus said it is hard for a rich man to enter, he wasn't saying it's because money. He was saying because people have a tendency to be unwilling to surrender their whole heart to me. It's hard for people to be able to say to God, here I am. You can have it all. You can change me. You can shape me. You can fix me. You can do whatever you want to do with me. Here I am. Here I am. I'll surrender it all to you. I don't want to be a lukewarm follower of Christ. I don't want to follow you only on Sundays. I don't want to follow you only part-time. I don't want to give you part of my heart. I want to give you all of me. All that I am. I want to give it to you. Surrendering everything. I love that verse in Jeremiah. You will search for me. You will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. For years, I have had many tell me this. I tried God. It didn't work. And I always say, no, you sampled God. You got a few tastes. And you never committed And let me tell you something. God is not impressed with your token prayers. He's not impressed with half-hearted attempts to find him. He is not impressed. He gave everything. And he is not impressed with our meager, small attempts. But what gets God's attention is when we lay our life fully before him and surrender all of our heart and humble ourselves before God. God gives grace to the humble and we humble ourselves before God. And when we will lay our heart out before him and humble our whole heart and surrender our whole heart, God then can begin to work with us and change us. And then we begin to buy from him gold, refined, true gold, as in revelations. We begin to find from him what really matters in this world, in this life, in this creation, and in the creation to come, we begin to find what really matters, him. Boy, I tell you, you never know where that's going to lead. Look at me. I ended up pastor. Didn't want to be here. Wasn't my plan. Might be in Africa. I don't know where you're going to go. I don't know what's going to happen with you. But God has a kingdom. And to get to that kingdom requires a willingness to surrender our heart and serve him. And wherever it's at, whatever it is, and just allow him, allow him to become our everything. Hot for God, not lukewarm. Total surrenderance to him. 
What does that look like, Pastor Dale? I wish I could explain it to you because I don't know. I don't know your situation. I don't know what things you're holding back. I don't know what things in your life you're unwilling to give to God. I don't know. I don't know what things in your life you're resistant to tell God to take control of. I don't know. I don't know what those things are. I don't know what things you are not allowing God to change in you. I don't know. But I'm just, I just want to tell you, shed it. Surrender it. Give him your entire heart. You will not be disappointed with God. I can tell you, you will not be disappointed in him. (laughs) You will not be disappointed in what he will give back. Amen? Amen. I got to be done. Father, I know, oh God, I know, I know that the things things that we deem as important are really only secondary to the most greatest importance, the surrendering of our heart, the surrendering of our life to the creator God, recognizing that all that I could do means nothing if you are not involved. Surrendering of our heart. I just pray right now, Father, that we would recognize that, that God, everything, everything, that we have, that we own, that we are, that, that surrendering them to you is not losing anything. It's not losing anything. It's gaining the kingdom of God. And I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm done. God bless you. God bless you. Communion is set.